Former Soviet Union leader Mikhail Gorbachev caught the attention of major newspapers around the world in an op-ed piece for Time magazine. Gorbachev is a student of history, and all evidence indicates he is a man who would rather have peace than war. Presidents Gorbachev and Ronald Reagan bought time for the world when they agreed to ratchet down nuclear stockpiles. The two men began what appeared to be a truly friendly relationship following decades of the Cold War between the two superpower antagonists. Mr. Reagan will go down in history as the one who challenged the Soviet president. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And Mr. Gorbachev will go down in history as the one who did tear down the Berlin Wall, setting free millions of oppressed people from a failed Marxist system. And this opened the way for the reunification of Germany. While the Cold War transitioned to warming relations, world tensions have skyrocketed since. So when Mr. Gorbachev gave this sobering warning in January 2017, it all looks as if the world is preparing for war, people took notice. He further wrote in his editorial, the world today is overwhelmed with problems. Policymakers seem to be confused and at a loss. Indeed, the world is confused and at a loss. He named the escalating inventory of modern weapons a danger to the world. More troops, tanks, and armored personnel carriers are being brought to Europe. NATO and Russian forces and weapons that used to be deployed at a distance are now placed closer to each other as if to shoot point blank. But the big problem is not Europe although it is destined to play a vital role in the future. The real problem is found in the Middle East, specifically with the city of Jerusalem. What's in store for this city? That's the focus of today's Tomorrow's World telecast, and there is an answer. It's known, and it will affect your world and your life. On this program, I'll show you what to expect, and I'll be offering you a resource that documents in advance what will happen in that part of the world and how it will affect you. This publication, The Middle East and Prophecy, is yours free for the asking. So be sure to have writing material available so you can take down the contact information. And I'll be right back to show you what to expect for the city of peace where there is no peace. So don't go away. Welcome to Tomorrow's World, and I especially welcome all of you who are tuning in for the first time. I'm pleased you've joined us today, and I'm also pleased to offer you our free publication, The Middle East in Prophecy. Our world is in trouble. As former Soviet President and Nobel Peace Prize recipient Mikhail Gorbachev wrote, politicians and military leaders sound increasingly belligerent and defense doctrines more dangerous. Commentators and TV personalities are joining the bellicose chorus. It all looks as if the world is preparing for war. Nowhere is a specter of war more probable than in the volatile Middle East. 
When nations were smaller, when transportation was on two legs or four legs, when wind-powered ships and aircraft didn't exist, confused policymakers could only do so much damage. But that has changed. High-speed communication and transportation connect us, but peace eludes us. Incredibly destructive technologies, nuclear weapons, smart bombs, chemical and biological weapons can be delivered by way of missiles, unmanned planes, and drone ships. It's a dangerous place when policymakers in this kind of world are, as Mr. Gorbachev says, confused and at a loss. Conflicts that start small in one part of the world can quickly spread to all parts of the world. In effect, no one is safe. The tiny nation of Israel and its chief city, Jerusalem, are at the core of many Middle Eastern problems. The beginning of today's problems can be found in the book known as the Bible. There we read of a man named Abram, later called Abraham. His wife seemingly could not have children, and one day Sarai, who also experienced a name change to Sarah, came up with an idea that appeared good at the time. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, go into my maid, perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Abram listened to his wife. A child was born and they named him Ishmael. A divine messenger informed the couple that he and his descendants would be difficult to get along with. Here it is in Genesis 16, verse 12. He shall be a wild man, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. Does this prediction, given thousands of years ago, not accurately describe what we see in the Middle East today? Factions, fighting factions? God later gave Abram a second son, but this time by his wife Sarah, and he was named Isaac. Trouble between the two mothers and the two sons escalated and brought about a geographical separation. But it was only for a short time. Their descendants have been in conflict ever since. This is only part of the problem, and the plot thickens. I'll continue and give you the end of the story, but I want to give you an opportunity to receive a resource that gives greater detail than I have time to give on this program, the Middle East in Prophecy. It shows how predictions recorded two and even 3,000 years ago are taking place even as I speak. This is a resource you need and is yours free for the asking. No price and no shipping or handling charges. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call the toll-free number on your screen and we'll send you a copy. It's that simple. So take down the number and call today. Or go to our website, tomorrowsworld.org. And I'll be right back to give you more background on how we arrived where we are today, what to expect in the near future, and how it will impact your world. Today's offer is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation. Call now, 1-800-236-0531. Or write to us at the address on your screen. Or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine. 
full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Then be sure to go to tomorrowsworld.org forward slash digital. Have a digital subscription sent right to your email inbox faster than postal mail. Visit us online now. As we saw in the preceding section, a major cause of today's Middle East conflicts resulted from ancient family squabbles. The descendants of Abraham's two sons by two different wives make up part of today's Middle East, and they're continuing their struggle with each other even now. But this is not the complete picture. The plot thickens when Abraham's son Isaac grew up and married a woman named Rebekah. A conflict began even before she gave birth, as twin sons wrestled in her womb. We read in Genesis, the 25th chapter, beginning in verse 22, But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? She sought an answer to this unusual pre-birth behavior, and received the following divine answer. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. The firstborn was Esau, the second Jacob. Love was not expressed equally in the family. Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob, and Jacob was the favorite of his mother Rebekah. This set up dynamics with long-lasting consequences. Jacob grew up as a crafty man and on the urging of his mother tricked his father into conferring upon him prophesied blessings of good land and abundant wealth. This obviously did not set well with Esau. So we find the descendants of Ishmael and Esau at odds with those of Isaac and his son Jacob. If this weren't enough, there are two other factors thrown into the mix. The Middle East is rich in oil, and ever since the invention of the automobile, the world literally runs on oil. Five of the world's top ten oil reserve countries are in the Middle East, none being the Jewish state. Combatants in World Wars I and II fought for control of Middle Eastern oil, and struggles for control of this precious natural resource continue to this day. Religion is the other factor creating instability in the region. Judaism is the oldest of three major religions found there. Christianity came along in the 1st century A.D., and then Islam in the 7th century A.D., and took hold in the nations that descended from Ishmael and Esau. Family squabbles, oil, and religion all come together for a toxic mix, and any war that takes place in the Middle East can easily spill over to other nations. The term Armageddon is associated with that part of the world for a reason. End-time Bible prophecies focus on dramatic events that take place in the Middle East. Do you know what to look for and what to expect? Will the climax of the ages catch you off guard? The Middle East has been in turmoil for decades, and many who follow world news wonder what will happen next. Yet very few realize that Bible prophecy explains in advance the earth-shaking events that will lead to increased conflict in the region ultimately to a war that is commonly referred to as Armageddon. What does that mean for you, and how will it end? The answer to these questions are found in the pages of the Bible. 
And to help you discover what it predicts for the future, we have a remarkable booklet bringing these prophecies together. This publication, The Middle East in Prophecy, gives far more detail than I have time to cover on such a short program. The Middle East in Prophecy, authored by fellow Tomorrow's World presenter Richard Ames, can be yours free for the asking. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call the number shown on your screen. Or you can order, read, or download a copy from our website, tomorrowsworld.org. I'll be back in 15 seconds to give you four predictions straight from the page of the Bible. So stay with us to learn what is prophesied for Jerusalem, the Middle East, and for your world. Today's offer is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation. Visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. Before the break, I told you I would read from the Bible what it predicts for Jerusalem and the Middle East. So let's get started. Bible prediction number one, Jerusalem will be a troublesome stone. The book of Zechariah contains prophecies written around 520 B.C. That's more than 2,500 years ago. It's evident that some of Zechariah's prophecies were recorded for a time long into the future. It speaks of a time of trouble for Jerusalem and for those nations surrounding it. Notice the accuracy of this prophecy. You can see its fulfillment in your evening news. Zechariah, the 12th chapter and verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Is this not what we see today, Jerusalem and the Jews, a troublesome stone? And everyone who meddles with it gets cut to pieces. But can we know that this prophecy is meant for today? Yes, we can. Notice this important detail. The prophecy is for Jerusalem and the Jews. It says, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. This prophecy requires Jerusalem to be controlled by the Jews. And here is where we come to an interesting detail. History tells us that the Jews were kicked out of Jerusalem in 135 A.D. and they did not become a Jewish state again until 1948. They only took control of the whole city of Jerusalem in 1967. So from 135 A.D. until the middle of the 20th century, this prophecy could not have been fulfilled. But what about the time from Zechariah's predictions in 520 B.C. until 135 A.D.? Were they fulfilled during that 655-year period? The answer is no. History does not indicate this, and the prophecy eliminates this possibility. Notice that when the Jews find themselves in trouble from these surrounding nations, that help will come from a long-awaited source. Zechariah, the 12th chapter, verses 9 and 10. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. This is a clear reference to the Messiah. 
But notice that it says, on me whom they pierced. In other words, this is talking about a physical intervention from the one whom they crucified in 31 A.D. Therefore, the prophecy must happen after Jesus' first coming. There is no doubt that the Jews were surrounded and persecuted from 31 to 135 A.D., but history shows there was no return of the Messiah to save them from that time. Therefore, either the prophecy is inaccurate, or the only time for its fulfillment is our day today. So why should we believe it will be fulfilled in our day? First, the fact that it accurately predicted the death of Christ by crucifixion 550 years in advance. Second, we see Jews, after a lapse of more than 1800 years, once again occupying Jerusalem. And third, we see the exact conditions, Jerusalem a troublesome stone, being fulfilled today. Now we come to our second Bible prediction. Bible prediction number two, all nations will be against the Jews and Jerusalem. As we read in Zechariah the twelfth chapter, all the surrounding peoples will lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And also, all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Consider the debates in the United Nations. Other than the United States, Britain, and a few other countries, all nations are against the Jewish state. The hostility is really quite remarkable and unexplainable from any rational point of view. Zechariah repeats this prediction in chapter 14. Notice first that the time setting is the day of the Lord, a time that Bible students understand as a time at the end when great conflict culminates in the return of Christ. As it tells us in verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. And what does Zechariah tell us are the conditions at that time? For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. So we see that Zechariah predicted that there would be Jews controlling Jerusalem, that their capital city of Jerusalem would be a troublesome spot in the world, and that all nations would be against them. And as we have seen, this could not refer to any time prior to the middle of the 20th century and onward. We still have two more predictions for the future of the Middle East and Israel. But I want to remind you of today's free offer, The Middle East in Prophecy. What will happen in that part of the world will eventually spill over to all the world, as we shall see in a few minutes. Don't think that this will not affect you. It will. That's why you need our publication, The Middle East in Prophecy. There's no cost. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So order your copy today, and I'll be right back to show you two more predictions that will surely come to pass as the world stumbles toward the greatest time of trouble it has ever known. Today's offer is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation. Call now, 1-800-236-0531, or write to us at the address on your screen, or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, 
full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Then be sure to go to tomorrowsworld.org forward slash digital. Have a digital subscription sent right to your email inbox faster than postal mail. Visit us online now. So far, we've seen two predictions for the future of the Middle East, specifically regarding the Jews and Jerusalem. And both predictions are playing out in our world and can be seen on our nightly news. Prediction number one was, Jerusalem will be a troublesome stone. Bible prediction number two, all nations will be against the Jews and Jerusalem. These two predictions lead to the next prophecy, something ominous that will stagger the entire world. Bible prediction number three is, Jerusalem will be the focus of the greatest battle ever fought. The term Armageddon is thrown about in both religious and secular sources. It's the stuff movies are made of, the end of the world. But there is much misunderstanding even among the religious. Armageddon does not mean the end of life on planet Earth, but it is no small matter. Jesus of Nazareth made this chilling prediction in what is called the Olivet Prophecy. Here it is in Matthew the 24th chapter and verses 21 and 22. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Yes, humanly incited cosmicide is a real possibility. In fact, according to this passage, it will happen unless something extraordinary stops it. But before we get to that, notice that great armies will be drawn together to destroy the tiny Jewish state. The prophet Joel describes an end-time call to arms in chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble and come, all you nations. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. The animosity goes far beyond Israel's immediate neighbors. The mysterious book of Revelation tells us massive armies from the east of the Euphrates will assemble on the large plain near the hill of Megiddo, more commonly called Armageddon. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and his water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. So the armies will gather at Megiddo, but the actual battle will take place around and in the valley of Jehoshaphat on the east of Jerusalem. This brings us to our fourth prediction. As we read from the book of Matthew, human annihilation is possible, but it will be stopped by intervention from a source man has generally rejected. Bible prediction number four, Jesus Christ will return to save us from self-destruction. We read earlier from Zechariah 14, but let's notice it again so that we have the context beginning in verse one. 
Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as He fights in the day of battle. And in that day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. When this happens, He will declare Himself King over all the earth. This explains why so many nations send their armies to fight the Jewish state. It's not only to fight the Jews, but also to fight and destroy the One who saves the Jews, the Messiah. The returning Jesus Christ will appear to most of mankind to be the Antichrist. The European beast power, along with a great false prophet, and Satan himself will influence the nations of the world to fight for control of the earth. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. As it tells us in Revelation, the 17th chapter, verse 14, those who follow the beast and false prophet and are influenced by Satan the devil will be so deceived they will actually fight the returning Jesus Christ. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. All the armies of the earth are no match. Zechariah describes the weaponry the returning King of kings will use against rebellious mankind. Chapter 14 and verse 12. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. And as terrible as this description is, the result of this final battle between rebellious mankind and His Creator will be peace. Isaiah describes this wonderful time in these beautiful words. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that many people shall come and say, Come! And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Dear friends, these prophecies are for real. The trouble you see in the Middle East and Jerusalem was predicted long ago. None of man's efforts will bring peace to this conflicted corner of the world. But when we come to the place of total destruction, a loving God will intervene. He will defeat His enemies and peace will be the result. Jerusalem will then become what it is not now, the city of peace. To learn more about the Middle East, Jerusalem, and what this region means for the world, be sure to order your free copy of the Middle East in Prophecy. And be sure to come back next week when Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, and I, along with guest presenter Rod McNair, will bring you more of today's news in the light of end-time prophecies. Until next time, May the peace and truth of Almighty God and Jesus Christ be with you.
To take advantage of today's free offer or view today's program now or anytime, go to tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.